In Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said that he would build his church. And he did. And he is. And he's working through us to finish the job. Or at least he wants to. But if God is going to use us to build his church, we must be filled with his spirit. Renewed to his mind. Aligned to his will. And we have got to do it his way. This is how the Apostle Paul describes it in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 to 17. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as an expert builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should be careful how he builds, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is, because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. Wow. That is a full on word. We are God's temple. We are the church that he is building. We are co-workers in this project. And we will be held to account for what we do and what we don't do and how we do it. What are you building? Are you building a comfortable life for yourself? Are you building a tower for your own glory? Are you building a citadel for your own security? Are you building a hobbit hole for your comfort? Or are you fulfilling your God-given destiny and building a glorious church with him and an eternal inheritance? Jesus really understood building. It was both his earthly trade and his heavenly one. Consider John chapter 1, verse 1 to 3. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. Hebrews eleven ten. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. God has, God has planned it all out. How to build his church, his temple. And he has drafted the blueprint for building the church. 
This blueprint is in his word, living and active, the scriptures. And if we are going to build his church as laborers or as materials, then we've got to be working to his plan. Because if we're not, it isn't his church that we're building. We've all got ideas on how the church should function. I think our church should be more like Hillsong. Their music is so inspiring. Hmm. I think that we should be more like Arise. They are so passionate for the lost. Well, I think we should be more like Bethel. They are all about the Holy Spirit. Well, I think the church should be more like my list of things that I prefer and think are most important. And we could all fill in the gap there. Our first mistake is thinking. (laughs) Any church built on human reason is doomed to end up irrelevant or a cult. Or an irrelevant cult. The church God is building is established not on our logic, but on the revelation of God. It's not our ideas. Our role is not to strategize. I know it's on your online web profile, but Greg's job is not to strategize and think up the best way to, you know, fulfill God's plan. God does that. He's got the strategy sorted. He's always had the strategy sorted. Our role is to obey. Greg's job is to listen. That doesn't look so flash on his job description. Strategic listener. But that's what it is. It's what the job of the elders is. Listen. He's got it worked out. And he wants to tell us. He's been revealing it through scripture and through his prophets forever. The job is to listen. And God gives people ears to hear and eyes to see. His will for the church, he gives a grace of eyes to see and ears to hear. Apostles and prophets. So that the church could follow his plan. God has given us his instructions. Our role is to listen and to obey. But it turns out we're not very good at that. How does God give instructions? He speaks to us by his spirit. He speaks to us through his word. He speaks to us, uh, to the church, through the ministry of apostles and prophets, all of which are inspired and empowered by the spirit. God has no problem communicating his plans to us, but we seem to have a huge problem hearing and understanding them. But we can get better at that. That's a fruit of discipleship. The premise of discipleship is the more we know him, the more we know his heart and character, the more then we'll be able to recognize his voice and understand his word. The Bible reveals a couple of keys to hearing 
in understanding God's will. This one, this first one, knowing him, is relational. And we've been preaching on that forever, it seems, because it still seems like that one really isn't sinking in. So we might have to look at that from a couple of different angles. The first key is relational. The second is transformational. Speaking on the future of the Rock Church four years ago, Prophet Cindy Ruakiri prophesied, who you were is not who you are now, and who you are now is not who you're going to be. What that means in one, purpose, um, one word, people, is change. Or the word that you've heard preached here time and time again, transformation. God has called us individually and corporately into something different, something better, something of his design. Most of us don't really like different, though, do we? We don't like change, by and large. We like comfortable. We like familiar. And so we can be resistant to change, both in ourselves and in the church. I don't like changing my brand of coffee. It doesn't bode well for significant changes in my character. But change is the name of the game, people. And when I say game, I mean your life. Yeah. Our purpose on earth is to know God and be transformed into his likeness. God is preparing a bride with whom to share a glorious eternity. And that is us, people, his church. But to be the bride of Christ, we need some cleaning up. Because, uh, frankly, we're pretty rough. Some of us still don't even know we're supposed to be a bride. Or what that even means. And to be fair, I'm still working that through as well. Body of Christ, bride of Christ, God's temple. Whichever metaphor we take from scripture, the truth is the same. Who we were is not who we are now, and who we are now is not who we need to be. We've got to change. We've got to let him transform us. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, Paul writes in Romans 12. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. The pattern of this world, the world that I, I grew up in, the world that I live in, the pattern of this world is consumerism. Giving people what they want. Taking what I want. It's slick marketing. It's image-focused. It's market-driven. It follows a business model. It's fixated on numbers, on spreadsheets, on balance sheets. This is not the pattern of God. This is not how he builds his church. It's how we build ours. What I think is a an interesting, 
illustration of the difference between building by God's design and building by our own uh, is found in the contrast between the stories in Genesis 6 and Genesis 11. In Genesis 6, God gives his servant Noah specific instructions for the construction of a vessel that would save the faithful from destruction. Noah built it exactly how God decreed it, using the materials God provided. He followed God's plan, and his family and a remnant of creation were saved. Thank you, God, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for your plan. Thank you, Noah, for your faith and your obedience. In Genesis 11, mankind looks to the heavens, but they don't see God. They see visions of their own fame and their own glory. They design a structure and build it with materials of their own manufacture, using their own wisdom, strength, and technology for their own glory. Now, the fruit of their labor was not to earn God's admiration for their initiative and their ingenuity. In response to their pride, God confounded their language and scattered them over the face of the earth. And that, tragically, is the state of the church today. We are scattered. We are disunified. We can't understand each other. I talk to some other believers who live in the same city as me, and I don't even know what they're saying. And I'm, I'm talking to them about what God's doing in me and doing in us, and they don't know what planet I'm from. It's, we're not speaking the same language, even though technically it's English. But this is the church that we are in. We don't understand each other. And we're prideful that our design of church is better than anyone else's. Nothing seems to have changed since Genesis 11. There are churches all over the world constructing palatial venues, hosting spectacular Sunday events with world-class entertainment, cutting-edge production. We went to a church that had a million-dollar one six zeros million dollar jumbo screen in the main sanctuary. Wouldn't be cool to watch the game on that. But no, no. Somehow that was that was essential for whatever God was doing there. I went to I went to a service one time, and the service was opened by a top build crossover act that was hugely successful in the secular alternative market as well as the Christian one, and they kicked it off. And that was awesome, and then they did three songs, and then I guess the regular worship band came in and took over. And it was cool for a gig, but it was weird for an encounter with God. Oh, I don't want to sound like I'm pointing a finger at everyone else and saying, you know, they've got it all wrong and we've got it right, because I've been a part of doing that kind of thing, sans million-dollar jumbo screen. And I get the idea of using every trick we can to try to draw people closer so that we can then hit them with the gospel. Um, I've tried every trick I could think of or could steal. 
There are churches with budgets in the hundreds of millions with company debts. That's a thing. PR consultants on staff. That's a thing. But then seem to be woefully lacking in love, in mercy, in grace, in truth, in the Spirit of God. Is that really what Christ had in mind? What from his ministry on earth would ever lead anyone to think that's what he had in mind for his church? The problem we struggle with is that Jesus' plan for the church doesn't really make a lot of sense to the unrenewed mind. It doesn't seem that onto it. Like It's not like Jesus really should have gone to uh, marketing school. Because there would have been much better ways to get the message across than he seemed to do it. He probably wouldn't have got killed for it anyway. Which is part of the point. It doesn't make any sense, it didn't make any sense to Judas. One of his closest companions, one of the twelve. Jesus' plan didn't make any sense to Judas Iscariot. In fact, it didn't make any sense to Peter either. You might recall a little verse in Matthew 16, 21 to 23. Get behind me, Satan, Jesus says to one of his best friends. Because Peter didn't get it. Judas wanted Jesus to be someone that he wasn't. Judas wanted a Messiah that would overthrow an earthly government. So when he understood that Jesus was declaring a spiritual kingdom, he set out, to build his own kingdom, a kingdom of his own design, not the one Jesus had in mind. He started building according to his own plan. And in so doing, he betrayed the Son of God. And we judge him for it with indignant self-righteousness. But then we think we know better than God all the time. Especially when it comes to what we do with our own lives and what the church should be like. In the unrenewed mindset, we betray God's will constantly. Am I wrong? Yes? If we're going to build our lives or his church, and ultimately they end up being the same thing, We've got to build to his pattern, to his blueprint. So what is the pattern that God builds by? Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. In God's blueprint for the church, Christ is the cornerstone. He is the first stone set 
in the construction of the foundation. The stone is crucial since all other stones are set in reference to this one stone, thus determining the position, the orientation of the entire structure. We must build our lives at his church around the person, character, teaching, and power of Christ dwelling in us through his Holy Spirit. In God's blueprint, the foundation of the church is built on the ministry of apostles and prophets who all take their reference from Christ, the cornerstone. These ministries were active in the first century when the church was birthed. And they have been restored to the body in increasing measure as God looks to realign his church to his purpose and plan. The church has lost its way. But in God's plan and his timing, things are coming to pass where he needs to bring his church back to himself, to the plan, the destiny that he has for us. And so he's speaking louder than he has before, it seems. And there are people that are listening and are given a grace to hear and to see. In Ephesians 4, 11 to 13, we read, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. To fulfill his plan for building his church, God has given us spiritual gifts. And he highlights five with a particular purpose of building the church up, of equipping all of us for our part in the plan. These aren't the best five. These aren't the top five. These are just five that have a particular purpose, equipping the rest of us. We all have spiritual gifts. We're all filled with the same spirit. We all have a significant part of the plan, a specific part of the church. But he gives us five as a blessing to the church, to serve the church, so that we can all become who it is that God has called us to be. Gives us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And we can benefit from these graces as we recognize them on each other, honor them, and receive from them. This has been a learning curve for me. Prophets often sound like heroin addicts, crazy people. But it's because I wasn't, I wasn't eager to hear from God through them. I was very specific with the Lord on who and how I would receive revelation. I needed to see Bible college qualifications, least master's level. I want to see theology textbooks. I want to I want to see this confirmed through a body of like-minded people. And I want it communicated in a way that is clear, concise. I like bullet points. Three, no more than five. I appreciate a reference to the Greek. I don't speak biblical Greek, but I like to see it there. And so this is how I tell God how he's allowed to speak to me. So you can imagine, I didn't hear a lot. <laughs> through that 
I was not saying that God can't speak through a theology textbook or can't think through someone who's been to a seminary, but where do I get off telling God how it's going to be? Turns out he's been speaking to me all the time. I just didn't want to hear it that way, and I closed my, my ears off and I shut my eyes. I didn't receive much. I didn't grow much. So I didn't change. I wasn't transformed. Because I was trying to build myself my way rather than letting him build me. So yeah, prophets still sound crazy to me, but as I, as I stop and I listen and I respect what God has put on this person and honor the Spirit of God in them, I find he is speaking to me in ways more powerful than I've ever received before. And he's drawing me into himself. Not just mind to mind, but spirit to spirit. See, see the gifts that I appreciated before and, and the, the methods I, I appreciated before and submitted to was all about my mind. But renewal doesn't start at the mind, it starts in the spirit. So I needed to, to seek out those who spoke from the Spirit, not just from, from reason and logic. Are we positioning ourselves to receive the blessing of the gifts he's given the church? I'm trying, Lord. God builds his church by building us, by sanctifying us, by teaching us his truth, by maturing our faith. We need to surrender to his ministry of sanctification, of transformation. I like the idea that something passive, that I can just attend a service regularly, maybe go to a life group, go to a prayer meeting, and just being in the room, I don't know, God will hit me and do something. Great. I can walk out, and I'm a new man. I'd, that would be convenient for me if I just needed to be somewhere. It'd be convenient for me if I just had to say a prayer. Uh, Lord, transform me. Today would be good. That, that would be convenient. Uh, it has been my experience in my, uh, I don't know, 25 years uh, with the Lord now, that he does very little for my convenience. doesn't seem to be motivated by what is convenient for me at all. And it turns out that even though every good thing that happens in me is a work of his spirit, he, he doesn't just do it to me. I don't know, maybe he does that for you, but it, it doesn't work that way for me. He doesn't just zap me with his Holy Spirit wand. He doesn't do that. He waits. You notice how good a waiter God is? He's real patient. He'll wait forever. He waits. And he will allow circumstances to motivate me. But he will wait until I am in a position, I am ready, and I am humble to let him do a work in me. Now, I don't know if that sounds weird to you, the idea that I could, I could let God do anything like he needs my permission. What do you think free will is? Free will is the burden that he gives us, sovereignty over our own person, that we choose what happens to us. We choose what we believe. 
And he respects that. If you don't want him to do a work in you, okay. He'll wait until you change your mind. If you don't ever change your mind, eh, not going to look so great in eternity. He's patient and he waits. And so we need to surrender to him. And I don't mean a prayer one time at a gospel meeting. I mean every day. Submit to him, surrender. Lord, have your way. Your will be done, not mine. On earth as it is in heaven. Every day we claim that. It's not something you can nail with a prayer one time. Lordship is something that we must declare every day. You are my Lord. I take the crown off my own head. It's yours. You're the boss. What do you want to do in me today, Lord? And we, we submit to that. We go with it. And this is the process of transformation. We need to be obedient. Go where he sends us. Do what he calls us to do. We need to not just be hearers of the word, but we need to be doers. We need to do what it says. We need to love God and love others. We need to make disciples. We need to seek first his kingdom. We need to lay down our life and pick up our cross. And all the other myriad of teachings and commands he's given us. I don't know if you do a daily devotional. I'm not sure if you're in the, the word regularly. But what do you do with what he gives you? Hearing and doing. And that obedience, we are aligned to him. Our mind is renewed. We need to allow him to build his church his way and surrender our wants and preferences. Why don't we have a woman's ministry? Why don't we have a men's ministry or a dance ministry or a soup kitchen? Why don't we allocate more money to overseas mission? Why don't we sing more hymns? Why don't we speak in tongues more? Why do we speak in tongues at all publicly? Why doesn't Greg wear a tie? Which I wrote last night and then inexplicably (laughs) wearing a tie today. That was going to be funnier if you weren't wearing a tie, but it's fine. Setting a new standard, it's okay. Some people are going to really like that. We get questions and complaints and polite suggestions from people all the time about how we should be doing things here. Because pretty much everyone has their own idea of what a church should be doing, what it shouldn't be doing, how long we should be doing it for, and what we should be wearing while we're doing it. And most of us will have our opinion on what we should prioritize financially and what ministries we should offer. In fact, some people feel so strongly that if the church doesn't seem to be spending the way that they agree with, they might even withhold their contribution and then call that stewardship. Ultimately, we have to make a choice. Do we want our opinions and our preferences to prevail and dictate the direction and the structure and the priorities of our church? isn't our church or do we want gods because they are not the same thing what Jesus left on earth at the end of his ministry was his Holy Spirit 
and 12 men who knew him and loved him and were committed to serving him with their lives. Those disciples, those apostles, were the foundation of the church with his blueprint inscribed on their hearts. We need the word of the apostles in our time to restore us to his divine plan. In a nutshell, to transform into the church God is calling us to be, we need to change. We need to grow. We need to believe some things that we might not believe right now. We might need to experience some things that we haven't experienced yet. And to come into that, we need a lot more humility than we currently have. And you better believe I'm preaching that one pretty hard to myself. We need humility and we need faith. Fortunately, those are gifts God has in abundance and he bestows on his people generously. Unfortunately, acquiring them can be pretty arduous uh, if we drag our feet. Humility comes from two parts, I've found. One, you can humble yourself as the Lord has asked. Or you can get humbled. Experienced that one a few times. Guess which one hurts more? Willingly lay down your life or have it taken from you? What, what does it mean to be humble? Being humble is not saying, oh, stop it, no, when someone pays you a compliment. No, you, you are. That's, that's not humble. Ridiculous. I have no problem accepting humble, um, a compliment. Just try it, good go. I'm quite self-aware. Being humble means consciously sacrificing and laying down yourself, putting others before yourself, setting aside your preferences, your wants, your desires, your ambitions, putting them aside and putting someone else's, ultimately God's, before your own. That is humility. That is thinking about what is in your best interests and putting someone else's first. Humility is recognizing that you don't have it all worked out. That you are not the arbiter of all truth. It is trusting God that he does and choosing his path instead of your own, even when it doesn't always make sense to you. That's where faith comes in as well. Faith comes, also I've found, from, from two parts. God calls us into faith. And we can actively step out in obedience into the unknown. In obedience, as he calls us, we can just step out as he asks. And when we step into the unknown, he fills that gap of unknowing with faith. That is the substance of faith. Trusting when we can't see. Going anyway because we believe in him. That's one way we can do it. Faith is built through that. Or we can be left to wander around till we find ourselves in a place where we need him or we will die. 
a place of desperation where there is no hope left but him. That's rock bottom. Now, I've never been to rock bottom. It feels like I've been close, and I've known people who have. It is messy. It is painful. And it doesn't have to be that way. We don't have to end up in the bottom of a pig trough like the prodigal son. We can make it easier on ourselves. We can make it easier by trusting him. Trusting his word. Trusting that he knows best. Trusting that he has only our good in mind. And not just for today, but for eternity. Trusting his word. Trusting his spirit in ourselves and on others. And stepping out, even when we don't understand. My experience has been that understanding comes after we've exercised faith. God does not respond to our songs, doesn't respond to our acts, but he responds to faith. Do you trust him with your life? Do you trust him with his church? If so, then let's let him do what he wants to do. Both in you and in the rock. I don't think this place is perfect. I work here. I know it is not perfect. But I can see the work God is doing. And if I was the boss, there's a ton of stuff I would change. But thank God I am not the boss. Because we'd be building my church. Not his. Thank God none of us, including Greg, are the boss. Thank God people are listening. And seeing. And slowly and often painfully, we are building his church. The invitation this morning, again, is to be a part of that. And it starts with us individually. The church is the sum of its parts, filled with the Holy Spirit. We will only be different as a church when we are different individually. Lord, what what are you doing in me? What do you want to do in me? I submit to your will. Spirit, have your way. That is our prayer. And as he sanctifies us, as he transforms us into the image of Christ, as he renews our mind, then this church, his His bride will be the beautiful creature that he's dreamed of. So, that's the vision that's before us. That's that's what the Lord gave me to share this morning. And what I want to do now is just take a moment just to seek him in this and ask him what he is saying to you this morning. I have faith that there is 
there is a word for each of us here. And it might not be the same thing for everyone. But I want you to walk out this morning taking hold of something that he has for you. Something that you continue to pray into. Continue to seek him over. And put into action. So we're just going to take a moment now just in the quiet. Just to seek him and ask him that question. Lord, what are you saying to me this morning? What am I taking away? And then we'll pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your love for us, for each one, Lord, of your children. Thank you, Lord, for your love of your church. Thank you, Lord, for your patience with us, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your your word this morning and for your word just every day and all the ways that you're speaking to us, Lord. And in your presence here this morning, Lord, I pray that you would confirm in our spirit what it is that you're saying to us, Lord. Pray for the illumination of your spirit to give us understanding. I pray for a growing hunger, Lord, to press into you, to dig deeper. I pray, Lord, that revelation would drop deep into our spirit, not just not just a cognitive understanding, but something that wells from within, Lord, as your spirit speaks to our spirit in a way that would produce true transformation. Confirm your word, Lord, in us this morning, and I pray, Lord, you give us the courage, the boldness, the faith to step out into the reality of that, what that's going to mean for us, that you would give us courage to take action on it, to surrender what we need to surrender, to participate with the work of your Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, in advance for every good thing that you do in us. Thank you for our Lord Jesus, our beautiful Lord Jesus, and the way in which you are transforming us to reflect his amazing graces. Lord, we entrust ourselves to your keeping and to the ministry of your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. It's, why don't we stand together and just surrender that we can use this song as a beautiful prayer.
It's curious as well. After the service, I'm going to go find a table in the cafe. And if there's anything that I've shared this morning that you want to discuss, any questions you have, I'm going to sit in there for a while just to give you the chance to come and talk with me. I, I really want you to leave here with some clarity of what it is that, that uh, God gave me to share. So please avail yourself of that.